0: First, let me tell you a true story that happened during World War II. There was a battle going on in the Atlantic, and you know how cold the Atlantic can be ice cold. And there was a battleship that had warplanes on it, and they still were undetected. They didn't know exactly where the enemy was. The six planes took off, and they were searching, and guess what? They found the enemy. And that was good news, but it was bad news because as soon as they found the enemy, they reported back to the battleship where they were, and the battleship had to make the decision to turn off all the lights, which meant the six planes had nowhere to return to. Because if they turned on the lights so that the planes, even temporarily, flashed their lights on, it would give away the position to the enemy, to the submarines that would have sank a battleship with thousands of people on it. So the decision had to be made to keep the lights off and the six pilots and their crews flew until they ran out of fuel and then went into the North Atlantic and perished. If they only had a little light, if they only knew where the, battle sta- the battleship was, they could have made a safe landing. Today, in our passage in Mark, you're going to figure out a way to show some lights to some people out in our world that are searching for the truth. They're searching to come home. They're searching for that God that loves them. And 99.9, and I have no scientific study, but I'm going to say 99.9% of the people that you know have heard the name of jesus would you agree with that but who do they think he is who do they think is our passage is going to equip you to walk anybody through three options that are available to have an opinion about who jesus is so i want you to get to mark chapter 3 and uh we're going to uh start at verse 20 but uh, before we get to verse 20 let me tell you Jesus is getting popular. People from the north, the south, the east, and west—they're all crowding. He's casting out demons. He's uh, demons. He's healing people. Uh, the crowds are getting bigger. The opposition is getting stronger. Uh, they have uh, the, Jerusalem wants to see Jesus killed. They're now looking for a way to kill him. He goes and he says, "You know what? I'm going to pick twelve guys that are going to be my apostles." And he goes and he does, Uh, he selects the twelve and it enters into a new phase of his ministry. And then it says this, verse 20, and then he went home. Now we don't know if that meant home to Nazareth or home to Capernaum, because Capernaum had kind of become his home, so we're not sure. And the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. Have you ever been so busy at work that you have not had a chance to have a break? so busy at work you don't get lunch or sometimes you have lunch at your desk many times you know you're stuffing a big mac at the keyboard or on the phone and you're doing you're multitasking right the crowds have gotten so big so popular that they are now almost frenzied when they see jesus it's like Beatlemania; they go crazy and they push against him that's why it says that he gets in the boat so that he can go offshore so the crowds can't attack him now But look what happens in verse 21. It says, and when his family heard about Jesus' popularity, heard about him casting out demons, heard about him healing the sick, heard about all the things that are going on, that people are mad at him, want to kill him, look what happens. They went out to grab a hold of him. Now my version says seize him, but it means to grab a hold of him. And it tells us why. For they were saying what? What does your version say? He's insane. Mom, brothers, sisters are on task to go get Jesus from the crowd because they think he's lost his mind. He's claiming to be God. They know where he came from. They saw him grow up. This guy's out of his mind. They think he's a lunatic. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? But really, that is option number one. Your first fill in the blank is this. Option number one is Jesus is crazy. Jesus is crazy. Huge crowds, fame, east, west, north, south. Is he the Christ? Now, have you ever seen people that are crazy? Scary, aren't they? What do crazy people do? They walk on the street, and if you've been to large cities, you've seen crazy people. They're talking to themselves. They're muttering. They're usually, their hygiene is is really poor. They usually might even be missing, um, I don't know, some teeth. I mean, because they've let themselves go, right? They don't even know proper hygiene. And they're irrational. They're delusional. They hear voices they see people now is that jesus is that the historical jesus that you have seen you know abraham lincoln said this you can fool some of the people some of the time but you can't fool all the people what all of the time (laughs) setting aside the miracles for just a second let's just say jesus wasn't able to do any miracles but if you were to just look at his words Sounds like he had really good clarity on what reality was, not the opposite. He's a man that has a firm grasp of reality. From A.D. to 2016, millions and millions of people have followed the words of Christ, haven't they? Do millions and millions of people follow an insane person, an irrational person, a delusional person, just in and of itself of the sheer magnitude of what Christianity has done in the Western world and even in the worlds that it's going into. There's proof there that these words are true. His words ring with truth. Would an insane person be able to do that? No. Now, you get to add in the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, demons are cast out, Wow, there is proof to what his claims are, so option one really isn't a viable option. If you were to say, "Okay, here's your three options he's a lot the his family thought he was a lunatic, and when you walk through what I just walked you through, you're like, "No, Jesus isn't a lunatic is there I don't think you could find anybody out in the world almost I mean, I'm sure you could find someone." But 99% of the people that you talk to, if you say, "Do you think Jesus is a is a lunatic?", they're going to say no. Now, let's go on back to our text. See what other option there is. Verse 22. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem, and were saying, "He that is Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul." Notice that it ends with a L. There's a play on words here. Beelzebul means Lord of the house. Lord of the house. And Jesus is going to give an illustration about a house here in a moment. Now, what the Jews did is they changed the L to a B at the end and called them Beelzebub. And it was a play on words because it meant it changed. Just changing the L to a B meant you're Lord of the Flies. That's what Beelzebub means. So when they were making fun of the Canaanite God, Beelzebul, Lord of the temple or Lord of the house, the Jews would mockingly call the Canaanite God Beelzebub. Oh, you're Lord of the flies. But but they use the proper term. They say he is possessed by the devil. He's possessed by the devil. Now Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's quite a statement. That is quite a statement. The scribes, the Pharisees, the crowd, your neighbor, your co-workers, your friends, yourself. You have to deal with that statement. Jesus made a statement and he said, I am God in the flesh. No one gets to the Father but through me. That's quite an exclusive statement. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John. John chapter 10. And Jesus is in an argument with the Pharisees in John chapter 10 beginning at verse 24 the Jews gathered around him and said so how long are you going to keep us in suspense Jesus if you are the Christ tell us plainly and Jesus answered I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me the proof is in the pudding Jesus says do you know anybody that can do the things that I do and my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my father's hand or my hand. And he and then he says, I and the father, guess what? We're one. So look what happens in verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him and Jesus I think with some sarcasm, says, okay, you're going to kill me. You want to stone me to death. Why are you going to do it? For why? Because I, I raised the dead? Because I healed a blind man? Because I made the deaf see? The mute talk? Cast out demons? Why? And then they say exactly why they want to kill him. Verse 33. It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus claimed to be God and they said you're a liar you're demon possessed you're in charge of all the demons that's how they dealt with that claim they say he was the father of lies Satan himself now if Jesus was a liar and falsely claimed to be the Christ the only begotten Son of God why did he rise from the dead how could he have risen from the dead they're struggling with his miracles, and they couldn't, they couldn't quite figure it out. He claimed to be God. He had the, the resources to back up his claim, and they just said, you know what? You're just a liar. You're just a liar. Now, I have heard it said that Jesus is a great teacher. You do a lot of um, man-in-the-street uh, man in interviews, and they'll say, Pat, Pat Phelan, uh, what do you think? Jesus is or who do you think he is and they stick a microphone in front of a college kid or any other person out on the street and they'll say oh he was a good teacher do you believe he was the son of God no he wasn't the son of God you know what you can't claim that he's a good teacher he claimed to be God but if he's not God then he's a liar and then he's not a good teacher good teachers don't lie do they you all said no good they shouldn't, right? <laughs> good, Folks, Jesus never claimed to be a, a good teacher. He claimed that he was God. So you cannot say that he's a good teacher and to accept his claim that he was God because you can't say he was only a good teacher. He was a good teacher. But you cannot say he was only a good teacher because if you reject his godhood, then he's a liar. Or at least you think he's a liar. And good teachers don't lie. So he's either who he says he is or he's a liar. But we've already seen that that's not an option. And from all the accounts to the the miracles, when Jesus said he is the Son of God, um, well, there are 11 men that I can think of that gave their life Because they refused to say, no, we did not see him resurrected from the grave. Eleven men gave their lives, the apostles. I'm counting Paul as one of them or or Thaddeus. John probably didn't lose his life, but all the other men lost their life. Are you willing to die for a lie? Are you willing to die for a lie? These men aren't willing to die for a lie, but they're willing to die for the truth. And that's why they died. There have been more persecuted Christians in last century, from 1900 up to 2000, than all the other centuries combined. And all you have to do is recant. You have to just say, no, Jesus is a liar, and you get to live. You get to go back into society. You get to go get your job back in these persecuted countries. But if you're willing to take a stand and say, no, Jesus said He is the Son of God and I believe it, I'm going to stand on that, and He's not a liar, He was telling the truth, you're going to get persecuted. So He's either a a lunatic, that's what His mom thought and His brothers and sisters, or the scribes thought He was a liar. Let's go back to the text and see the rest of the story verse 23 jesus says and he called to them and said to them in parables how can satan cast out satan remember they called him the lord of the house beelzebul they called him you're a canaanite god you're you're satan you himself if a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand and if a house is divided against itself that house will not be able to stand And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Here's the next fill in the blank. Here's the third option. He's either a lunatic, Jesus is either a liar, or he is the Lord. He is who he says he is. Jesus shows how silly and ridiculous their faulty thinking is. He says, "You're you're misunderstanding all of this. If I can cast out demons, I'm more powerful than demons. And who's more powerful than demons? God." I mean, it's a pretty simple logical uh, uh proposition. In another parallel passage in Matthew it says Jesus said this, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom is here. You are missing it. The kingdom is here. The bottom line to option number three is Jesus is Lord. He is who He claims to be. He is the one that can plunder the strong man. So here's fill-in-the-blank number four. There's a fork in the road. There's a fork in the road. Every man, woman, child will have to make a decision on who Jesus is. And the three options are this. He's either crazy, insane, he's a lunatic, and he's out of his mind because he claims... Today we can go into some of these mental hospitals and we can find people that claim to be the Son of God. Did you know that? We can find insane people today who think that they're Jesus. So he's either a lunatic, he was just one of that ilk, or he's a liar and he needlessly gave up his life. He had a chance to escape the cross many times, and he had a chance with Pontius Pilate. Do you remember when Pontius Pilate's wife comes in and says, have nothing to do with this man, get rid of him, because I have suffered greatly in a dream? He needs to get rid of him. And he says, Jesus... Tell me what's going on. And Jesus refused to to say anything. He just says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my people would fight for me. So you are a king? And Jesus says, Yes, I'm a king. And so we have, uh, He's crazy. He's a liar. So Jesus had the chance to get out of the cross. But He purposely went to the cross. Or He is the Lord. And everyone has to make a decision about Jesus. Everyone has to make a a decision about Jesus. And then Jesus is going to tell us why. Let's go back to the text. Verse 28 says this, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of a what? What does your text say? An eternal sin. For they were saying, Jesus is possessed by a devil. Or Jesus has an unclean spirit. Let's talk about blasphemy for a second. Blasphemy means to speak ill of God. Blasphemy in general—it's uh, defiant irreverence. I think if you were to take most stand-up comics today and listen to the routine, they're blaspheming some aspect of God. I really do. I have—I have just get little snippets of these more popular, from an Andrew Dice Clay to these guys that are just foul-mouthed and they're just derogatory and just always constantly ripping. Uh, on, on god or jesus or christians or any of that Th- that's what blasphemy is now let's talk about what the unpartable sin is not let's be clear about this it is not suicide some people have been taught that the unpartable sin is suicide that if you take your own life if you murder yourself that somehow god can't forgive you the bible doesn't say that the bible says the unpartable and we'll get to what the unpartable sin is but that has been taught but it's murder but paul, did you know uh first timothy paul says i was a blasphemer paul was a murderer he didn't murder himself but he murdered other people and yet the murderer found forgiveness there are people on death row that have received christ that have been forgiven and they are going to have eternal life. So if you're worried about having committed the unpardonable sin, then you haven't committed it. (laughs) If you're worried about the unpardonable sin that somehow you accidentally did it, but blasphemy that Jesus is here talking about is the defiant, constant, reviling of God And the rejection, here it is, the rejection of Jesus. That's the unpardonable sin. God will forgive any sin except for if you stay in constant rejection of His Son. You have chosen eternity without God. And so, who is Jesus? Is He a liar? Is He a lunatic? Or see the Lord? You know, here in in this passage is this road map. And by the way, do you know his family came around? Do you know the book of James back here is written by Jesus' half-brother? The same brother that said, oh, he has a demon or he's insane and we need to get him and take him home and put him in a rubber room because he thinks he's God, has come around because he saw his brother resurrected. And he said, I believe. And do you know his brother ends up becoming one of the head honchos in the church of Jerusalem in the first century? And so he had to make a decision, and he made a decision. Blasphemy against the Spirit is something more serious, and it's not just simple unbelief. It's a defiance. After seeing the evidence that is necessary to make A decision about faith it was seeing the evidence of the holy spirit and attributing it to to satan that jesus says you're you're about to cross the line you're about to cross the line and you will never have a chance to be forgiven wow boiling it down blasphemy of the holy spirit is decisively and finally rejecting the testimony of the holy spirit regarding the person and the work of Jesus. You know, the Spirit came to point us to Jesus. And we can go our whole life and reject Christ. That is the unpardonable sin. We started with a true story about six planes that left an aircraft carrier. And there's no truer story than our... Neighbors and our coworkers, and our family and our friends, and maybe there are some here today that are in a spiritual plane and they're running out of gas, and they've got to make a decision about who Jesus is. Now you can take them to this passage and say, you know, people thought he was a lunatic, but he wasn't, based on these words. You know what Gandhi said about Jesus? He said, oh, I like your Jesus. I just don't like His followers because they don't live the words. See, when when we say Jesus is Lord, that's just not lip service. It, it, It means that He truly is Lord of your life. He's recreating you into the image that He wants you to be. He's changing your thoughts. You're you're now reading a newspaper and you're having different thoughts than you did five years ago. You're growing in wisdom because the Holy Spirit is there working inside of you. To say that Jesus is Lord and then go live any way you want to, he's not really Lord of your life, is he? And that's why it is so frustrating to find these quasi-cultural, cardinal Christians that say, oh, I follow Christ. But they don't follow Christ. Have Have they committed the unforgivable sin? No. But they're walking away from Him. They're walking away from fellowship. They're walking away from transformation. I'm going to let God do His job, but I want to urge you that when we claim Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, that means that we have to feed our spirit. We have to feed our spirit with this. I can't listen to talk radio. It drives me crazy. I can't watch the news anymore. It drives me crazy because I find that most of the things that are said are against what my Lord is teaching me. And it's just like, how do I live in a world that seems to be going crazy? I know the only way I can do it is I'm going to cling to the lordship of Jesus and the words that he spoke because as the songs that we sang, he gives me strength to face the day. How many of you like history? Have you ever studied World War II? I've been watching some documentaries on the Nazi death squads where they trained six battalions of men, three thousand men to just go and kill people. Open up mass graves. Beat people in the public square, hang them. And I, I know there are children here, and so I gotta watch some of the, my words, but It's just like, how could anybody do these atrocities to man? Because they got away from this. We have to be in the Word. And when we're in the Word, the Lordship of Jesus comes out of us. It, It just permeates us. When we wake up in the morning to say, Lord, this is Your day. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to see today? What words am I supposed to speak? Instead of going through your week on the throne of your heart and then on Sunday morning coming here and say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord. His disciples lived in such a way that there was no, no way that they could live any differently. Let me close with this. Jesus has been dead. He's resurrected. The 500 people have seen Him. 500 eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. He has gone up into heaven. And the apostles are so bold with their witness that the religious leaders don't know what to do. So they beat them and tell them, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And this is the closing comment that they have that they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, their lives were so transformed that they tied it back to these men had been with Jesus. Is Jesus a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he Lord? And if He's Lord, and we've claimed Him as Lord, He's going to change the way you live. You're going to become more loving. You're going to become more grace-filled. You're going to start listening more to what He has to say than what the media has to say. You're going to find that He refreshes your spirit and that you have the strength to get through the day When I watch these death squads, these documentaries where they marched people to their death, I just don't know what would be going through my mind if I was in the trench. And I think, what gave them the strength to get through that moment? Because you know, six million Jews were murdered. Six million others were murdered too. And I don't want to take anything away from the Jewish Holocaust, but I want you to understand, Christians were persecuted too if they stood up to Hitler because they saw what was going on and said it was wrong and they were made political prisoners and they too were murdered. How did they do it? One thing got them thinking that Jesus was a lunatic. Why am I here? Why don't I just say, hey, I'm on your side, guys. He's a liar. No, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm with you boys. What gave them the strength to say, no, Jesus is Lord and I'm taking a stand? It's because they knew. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for today. I thank You that everyone has to make a choice. And once we make the choice that He is Lord, He is Lord 24-7. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of my words. He's Lord of my thoughts. He's Lord of my checkbook. He's Lord of my home. He's Lord of my children. He's Lord at work. He is Lord over the TV. He is Lord over the internet. He is Lord over every aspect of my life. Forgive us when we fail. And give us the strength to see you clearly. That we might rise And be strong for you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. Make us more loving. Make us with patience and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Always ready to give a defense of the hope that lies within us. We love you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.